Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. We're back with Side B of Now, Volume 14. Correct. And, uh, um, I mean, we, it always kind of happens that we start on the low notes, doesn't it? I think you got well. Like that's the thing, but there's no real good place. Like there's, I feel like there's good places to stop, but there's no real good places to pick up immediately after that stopping point. Yeah, I hope that one day the middle of these albums won't be a fucking wasteland, so that we can start on a good note, end on a good note. Actually, I do feel like if we had ended on this and started with the next one, we could have been on a little bit of a little bit of a run. Well, I feel like we could be on a run getting rid of these two songs right now. Walked out of heaven by Jagged Edge. Yeah, this is another group. This is, a, uh, I guess, kind of a boy band, or more like a boys to men kind of thing. Uh, it's a quartet that is also part of Jermaine Dupri's record label. So I feel like we're kind of getting this hint. We've always wondered what it's like behind the scenes, who's putting together and how they're putting together now. And uh, I feel like they just got like a bulk buy of people that yeah. Jermaine Dupree is is, uh, is trying to push. Is it racist that I think Jagged Edge yes. doesn't sound like an R&B group? Oh, no, yeah, okay. So, sure. Um, totally sounds like a metal band. When I just was looking at the list, I was like, Jagged Edge could be like, it's got to have guitars. Like, if it doesn't have, and it doesn't have guitars. No. Nope, it's like it's like an R&B quartet boy group. Um, I absolutely completely agree with you that I, I did not expect that to be to be that genre, even. What I do like that as we're talking about this video in the month that we're recording this, again, oh, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. You had just talked to Dee about how there's the, suddenly this trend of like, that I had never noticed or never remembered about bad CGI motorcycles. And not only do we have bad CGI motorcycles in this, but we also have bad car motors, car, bad car CGI where they're kind of playing ship's mast. Yeah, uh, bad CGI transportation was all over uh, volume 10. And um, perhaps it continued all the way through now. I would know if I was recording this in December, but we're not. It's hard to record things when you're supposed to record things. It really is. It really is. you got to have a backlog. I think podcasters at home, that's that's really a hint. Have the, a backlog. The only thing I have to say about this movie is that these guys were Seahawks, fan, Seahawks fans before the Seahawks were the Seahawks. Thinking the exact same thing. What year do they... They lost a Super Bowl when I was in college, but this is 2003, so I'm not even in college yet. No. So yeah, definitely. This is years before they were like... They're a fan of like 7 and 9 Matt Hasselbeck Seahawks yeah. right now. Yeah. They are fans before the Legion of Boom, before, before the Twelfth Man. Yeah, before Macklemore. Before the Quest, before Quest Field, probably. Before Russell Wilson. They're there. Before, before Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, yeah. Before Richard Sherman. Yeah, this is like... This is dire times. They might yeah. still be in... Like, I would say that the navy and neon green is like kind of newish even, right? They might still... They might have just been in like those silver uniforms... Maybe. Back when they were an AFC team. There's also a guy in this video wearing a hat that has eyes on it. Notice that too. Looks like he's got a Muppet on his head. It's cool. I mean, it's weird. It's weirder than cool. I don't know why I, went, I, don't know why I led with cool, but <laughs> it's unique. Um, this song at number six on the Billboard charts. That is insane. How have I never heard this song? Don't know. How have I never heard of Jagged Edge? I don't know. The song's not very good. It's true. They're around for a while. I remember... Are they uh, really? They, they go till about, I think it was 2014. That's a while. They don't do much except have an album called something like uh, The Baby Making Project. 
Okay. Which I really appreciate. Okay. But uh, that's really all the notable things I could find on their Wikipedia. Well, you know the sexiest way to talk about making babies is called a project. Right. Well, it is a project, you know? It takes a lot of uh, not having sex the way you... It's like a very clinical kind of having sex. Sure. You know, you gotta... There's angles and... I get... Well, you're the med student. I won't defer... I won't, you know... There's just things that you can do to uh, encourage fertilization. Sure, I understand that, but... I bet it turns into a project. Oh, boy. Stacey Rico time. I've never actually had sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and I mean Stacey Rico. Uh, there's gotta be more to life. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So I wrote down, this song and this artist sounds familiar, and then I wrote down in all capital letters, oh, yes, I know this hook. But I never really, I don't think I'd ever, like, I couldn't tell you Stacey Rico, couldn't tell you the name of the song, couldn't sing a few if I didn't hear it a couple days ago, but I kind of like it a little bit. I thought she either looked oddly familiar, or, like, maybe she was someone who was in movies or something like that, or maybe she had another song. No to all of that. Stacey Rico did Just very little, except move into, like, um, Christian music. Okay. In, like, 2006, 2007. Um, nothing. Not at all. And I don't know if I know this song. I really couldn't... I remember it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I remember the song. I just listened to it today. But I, I don't I don't know if, if I know her. And I don't think the song is good. I don't... It, it's not offensive... It's sure. Just, it's fine. Which I think, I, uh, we've said that a couple of times on this, I feel like, mm. I really feel like if that's the worst you can say about a song on a now, it's like, a, no, it's not a bad now. Yeah, I'm wondering if, like, the most average now, like, now where all of the songs are just average, actually makes that a better or below average now. I feel like that's a better than average now. Well, would you rather have, like, everything be a C plus, or would you rather have, like, three A's, three B's, ten C's, and, like, four F's? Well, right, the, uh, again, to default... To, uh, to Volume 10, which is the most recent uh, one we recorded. That had, like, an A-plus and, and 18 C's to C-minuses. Like, and that wasn't a fun episode to do. This one is moving, at least, a little bit quicker. It's moving, it's moving. Uh, this is, you know, we talked about Maya before being all these different personas. There's a narrative in this video yes. that I do not understand where she starts out as a waitress, and I was reminded of Baby Driver, probably yeah. now on Blu-ray? I don't know. <laughs> probably. Uh, in theaters as we record this, but like this like, this, like punk kid who trips her as a waitress, then sort of something like, she like gets knocked down as a waitress, she's like and then a, gets up as a businesswoman. She's a white trash mom at some point. Yeah, I don't know what this is doing, but I guess it's just all of these characters saying, like, there's gotta be more to life. And you'd think this would be a song about how these characters all end up accepting where they're at right now and it, it being a song no there's not actually more to life like it's not a grass is greener thing like what you've got is great especially since she's like a she becomes a Christian artist yeah she'd be like no learn to love the life that you have but it, the song doesn't really take a position from what I remember so there's the music there's a song on the radio right now which is now also on Blu-ray I guess as <laughs> as that's also what happens to songs uh-huh. by Haley Steinfeld called Most Girls True Grit on Blu-ray most certainly yes uh, actually, go see The Edge of Seventeen, which is fantastic. I've never um, actually seen that movie or heard one of her songs. So she's got a song about most girls. And the the chorus is basically, I want to be like most girls. Which I'm listening and you're like, well, why is that a message you want to send to kids? Like, 
don't you want to be special? But then, like, the hook, the way that, like, they get you is that, like, no, but, like, most girls are great. Which is true, but it's a weird, because, like, it's like, I want to be like most girls, like, that. they say that a couple times, and I'm like, you know, because girls are strong, girls are this, girls mm. are that, whatever. Um, That's cool. It's cool, but it's, it's, a, it's a real reversal, and I don't get it. Right. But that reminded me, I guess, because you're, like, saying, you know, be proud of what you got, like, you know, it's a similar message that Stacey Rico was trying to send 14 years ago. Yeah. I think this is also when I hit real Stockholm Syndrome, because I wrote down, this is really good, and I don't think I really think the song's really good. I don't good, think you really think it's good But either. I just heard, like, four or five songs in a row that I didn't like, and I'm right. just like, oh. But it is sort of weird to be buried like this on an album where there's a lot of mediocre stuff in the middle. Do you think Now's would be overall more successful if they only had 12 songs instead of 20? <sighs> Would they be more successful? I mean, they were really friggin' successful for a while. They would be easier to digest, that's for sure. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess the whole thing is that, like, you're buying this for singles. You're not buying this to listen to as an album. Right. Which, because what you're doing is insane. Yes. This is what an insane person does. Right. So you're buying it for singles, and I guess it's sort of value proposition, right? Like, if you're spending $17 on this or whatever, you're not going to want to spend it on 12 songs. You want to spend it on 20 songs. So instead of liking just two or three, you'll like four or five. Yeah. I mean, I know that when I had albums, even albums that were not compilations, just like full band stuff, before I really learned to get albums from bands that I liked, like when I got albums as gifts from like ants who didn't know what I liked, even then, even if I really liked one or two of the songs, I remember having uh, Natalie and Brulia's album. Okay, I, Torn? I really loved the song Torn. Sure. So someone decided that I should get that album. Uh, you would think that because I liked Torn, track one, that eventually I would just, like, see if I liked other Natalie and Brulia songs. But you just listen to Torn? But, like, 10-year-old me did not listen to anything but Torn. I get it. But then again, I also had uh, younger me, even younger than that, had Hootie and the Blowfish's Cracked Review, probably for, like, Only Want to Be With You or something like that. And I loved that c- album, like, cover to cover. So it sounds like Little Chris Mattiello was a real bipolar music listener. Yeah, so that po- that there was no point, actually, to that story. Cool. Uh, I thought there was going to be, but then I uh, I completely realized that there was no point um, whatsoever to that. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely have some words about Liz Fair's Why Can't I? I just want you, I just want listeners to never forget Fair came in. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you can't name stuff, and you look up, and you see that all of your albums are bands except Liz Fair and Kylie Minogue, and you go, well, that's a stupid name. That's my D&D dwarf or elf or something. Yeah. I'm just looking at, like, the DVDs on my shelf. I'm trying to come up with a name that's stupid, and I can't. Good Shea Bubble. There that's you go. bad. No, that is definitely a, like, Cantina Gleep Glop alien. Good Shea Bubble. Yeah. I had one character named uh, Match or Match Haven, which was my the first three letters of my last name, the first two letters of my first name, and the street that I lived on. It's like your porn name. It really could be my porn name. Yeah, Liz Fair's Why Can't I is... So here's the thing. Um, I have really strong opinions about Liz Fair. Um, you have really strong opinions about a lot of things. Well, here's why. Liz Fair is a fascinating case study. Now, this comes in the era where you're listening to this, but you're not admitting that you're listening to this, right? Sure, right. And I didn't really know who Liz Fair was. I didn't know what Liz Fair was. I'd never heard the name until this song hits the radio. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this song is, like, kind of catchy. 
It's like a, it's like an Avril Lavigne song, but she just she just like references fucking and like that's, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Like because I'm like 15, I'm like that's cool. Um, it had this kind of vibe of not so much Avril. Lavigne. Little does 15 year old Chris know that 32 year old or however old you are, Chris, has still not had yeah, sex. Yeah. No idea what that actually means, but I guess it doesn't feel like an Avril song. It feels more like a, a light Michelle Branch song. I like Michelle Branch. That's She's fair. She's a good singer-songwriter. I was into that. That's what I was getting into at the time if I was listening to, like, pop punk or ska. She played Ramapo, didn't she? Michelle Branch? I wish I knew that. I, I think have... so. Not while I was there. Okay. No, crumbs. I think Vanessa Carlton did. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think she did. Yep. Yeah. It was, like, the, the Little Spring music, or the little spring concert, not the Big Spring concert, because the Big Spring concert was, like, I don't know, Trey Songs and the Dream or something? I have no idea. I think I only went to one Ramapo concert. And maybe another one that I was on the job for. Anyway. I got kicked... Did, did I tell you that I got kicked out of a... Oh, God, what's her name? The Russian adorable pop singer with an amazing voice. Tattoo? No. She was on the 500 Days of Soundtrack. Us? Regina Spector. Oh, okay. I got kicked out of a Regina Spector pre-show. Uh, how? So, by my senior year of college, uh-huh. I was running... With somebody else, I was running the newspaper and the the TV station. Okay. So I had all sorts of press credentials. So we were going there. We had people covering it for the newspaper. But, but we went there. Uh, was girl, she playing at Ramapo? She was playing at Ramapo oh. in the gym. What the fuck? The concerts got way better when I left. So here's the thing. I didn't know who she was at that time. My roommate's girlfriend was obsessed with her. And she was super excited. I was like, I listened to a couple songs or whatever. YouTube is a little bit more advanced now than it was yeah. in volume one. And I was like, all right. I, I, I see it, but I, I don't love it yet. Because I just didn't know. For those who don't know uh, Regina Spector, she is like... Um, Amanda Palmer with all without all of the pretentious like drama kid shit. Immensely talented. Yeah. And like so talented that after, you know, years later when I got into her, I got so mad that I couldn't enjoy this concert. So anyway, I go there with this girl Lindsay Sanchez because she, you know Lindsay Sanchez? You know her from the newspaper. Yeah. So we're gonna cover it for the T V station and also a class that she's doing. So we sign we get an interview with the opening band, whoever the opening band was, we film them in the locker room. Regina Spector has no interest in talking to us. And yep. so we go in the locker room. Lindsay interviews these people for like 15, 20 minutes. They're super cool. I film it, whatever. We go out to the gym where it's Regina and her band on stage. And like, you know, a couple security people just sort of standing around the crowd, not really doing anything. And there's like, I don't know, six kids just sitting watching. Like, mm-hmm. there's nobody there. Like, it's the most intimate performance that I've ever been at. And Regina is in sort of like, sleep clothes kind of like she's not dressed up she's clearly not stage ready Mm -hmm. and so we sit down we watch her a couple minutes and i take out my camera and i just you know start filming and she stops what she's doing jesus and she looks at me and there's like this what feels like forever pause (laughs) and she says what are you doing and i said i said oh i'm just filming for the tv station like i'm just you know filming and she says no thank you i said oh okay Turn off the camera. I put it on the chair next to me. She's like, "No, thank you." I was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. It's it's away." And she doesn't move. And this is even a longer pause. Does she think that you're just like uh, you're still filming with it on the chair? I guess I don't know. And nothing happens for what's probably thirty seconds. What feels like ten minutes. Yeah. And then somebody, a manager or something, is just like, "All right, everybody out." And so these other four kids who are just sitting there, you know, had reason to be there or whatever got to be in there 
because of me got kicked out. So anyway, so we all leave. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, I only know Lindsay, but I don't know the other people. I'm just like, I'm so sorry. They're like, no, no, whatever, whatever. So we're then in the, this is in the Bill Bradley Center. And so there's like that sort of hallway outside that is like kind of the fancy prep area or whatever, like you line yeah. up outside. And so that's where all food and drink is. And like, you mm-hmm. know, there's the VIPs and they're all in there. And so we're just hanging around. I'm just telling people the story. And my teacher comes running up to me and she's like, what did you do? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, Regina Spector's manager came up to me and was like, I need, to, I need to see this kid. I need to watch him blank the tape. And I was like, what? She's like, he, she, he, she said, he wants to watch you film like the, the lens cap and blank the tape. I was like, okay. Did you ever, did you show him what was on it? I was like, I was like, have him find me. Yeah. I'm here. I'm not going to leave. Just have Because I would do that if I'm, if he, only if he would watch all of the nothing that he's having me blank. And so she's like, okay. And so she leaves and we're there for like an hour and nothing happens. And she finally comes back and she's like, I was like, what, like, what happened? She's like, oh, he didn't show up. She's like, I guess she just blanked the tape. I was like, what? Uh, okay. And like, I didn't blank the tape, but I didn't, we didn't use it for anything. But she's like, if you, if you put, even put it on like the, this campus television station, we can get in so much trouble. That really should end up on YouTube now. I don't know where it is. I, there's a lot of things that I want from RCTV that I don't know where they live anymore. I kind of need to break into H-Wing. And by breaking that, well, I guess I could, you can get in H-Wing. I just got to break into that room. I don't even know what Rampo College would look like anymore. I imagine it's the same as it was. Outdated. <laughs> sure. Unless um, it's the business school. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it was super, super weird. Bayside was the same way when I had to interview them. They wanted nothing to do with me. Who did Bayside open for? Or is that they, they, they the headline because Ooh. Jack's mannequin canceled? Oh, that's what that was. Cancer, yeah. So they they knew that they weren't the first choice, and they just had a chip on their shoulder. But then when Jack's mannequin actually played, um, I forget if he, I forget if some weird nerdcore rapper opened for Bayside or opened for Jack's mannequin. But that guy was, I think he opened for Bayside. He was like super nice to me. I didn't like care about him because I was like yeah. nerdcore. I don't fucking give a shit. You're not. You're like not, you're not even MC Chris. You're not like the one nerdcore rapper that everybody like has a vague idea of because right. you played a cartoon. But he was like super nice and uh, actually a, you know a good conversation and stuff like that. But then Jack, the, the guy from Jack's Mannequin, was like the nicest dude possible cool. I, to the point that I almost feel bad. I don't like much of his music. <laughs> oh, so the end to my story. Oh, I'm sorry. That, I thought that was no, the I forgot. I forgot that there was an end. Was that the reason I basically told it or so I started telling it or whatever was because then I sat. I saw the concert because I got in for free and like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there the whole night, just like fucking Regina Spector, like goddamn it, like it's like fuck, like why do people enjoy? Like she's such a bitch, like, blah blah blah. And then like a couple years later, I saw Five Hundred Years, Five Hundred Days of Summer, and I like listened to her album, and like the album that she put out a couple years, I think maybe her most recent album, or maybe she put out one since then, View from the Cheap Seats or something. It's it's stellar, like it's amazing. And I was like, damn it, like I could have liked this concert so much, but I was in such a bad headspace because she like didn't want to be filmed in her like pajama pants. So what you're saying is the moral of the story is that really good musicians can still be total assholes. Believe it or not, shocker of the century. We were on Liz Fair, right? Yeah, I love that song. I also, the only thing I really want I wrote down was that, I don't know, why am I not listening to way, way more Liz Fair? Okay, so here's the thing, um, and this this could sort of tie back to Regina Spector if we decide to make up those lines. Um, so I hear this song, and I'm like, this sounds like kind of a, uh, like a light, bubbly, uh, uh, Michelle Branch, right? Sure. And then I say that to Nico, and he just like he like grabs me by the shoulders, sits me down, and like puts headphones forcefully on my head. 
Uh, and I find out that Liz Fair at this point is 36 years old. Okay. This is not a song that a 36-year-old should be writing. Okay. Um, this is a bubbly pop song, like, giggle, giggle, why can't I breathe when I'm around you? This is a song that, like, a 17-year-old should be writing. Right. Uh, Liz Fair in, like, 1995 put out an absolutely incredible indie album called uh, Exile in Guyville that is just one of the... Uh, it is a raw, honest, occasionally raunchy rock album. Okay. Uh, and she put out another album in between uh, that and, and this one with Why Can I on it. Um, and somewhere in between that and the creation of this album, she teamed up with The Matrix, a production team that produced for, like, Katy Perry and, I guess at the time, like, Avril Lavigne. Well-known, beloved indie singer writes and creates and releases a, a, a music of basically, like, rejected Avril Lavigne B-sides. Huh. Like, we've talked about how selling out is not really a thing before, but if it is, this has to be the absolute best example of what selling out is. Because you're 36 years old. You're, it's, she's, she's making mom... She's a mom who's making mom music, basically. I thought you were going to say that, like... I thought that story was going to go in one of two ways. Either, number one, she was in a horrific car accident and now can only <laughs> sing like this. Or, number two, that there was, like, some ultra-secret dark meaning to the song about, like, how she was, like, kidnapped and held underwater no. and, like, couldn't breathe <laughs> when she was around somebody or something. No, no. She just was... Uh, she just completely changed genre and style money. and personality, basically to to make money towards the... I guess question mark the end of her career because she only released one more album after that so when this got the rare zero from Pitchfork ooh yeah so when high school Chris was into Fair came in it was it was Exile in Guyville because this is the first oh, so time that was named after the Nico intervention yes this is the first time that I had heard um, a Liz Fair song off of this album since basically I had that intervention maybe one or two times after that I listened through it again but like so a lot of people felt really betrayed by Liz Fair for doing this I went the opposite way so I was just like wow that's weird this is way better but now that I've I've fallen in love with Exile in Guyville and think it's a fantastic album coming back and hearing the Liz Fair pop thing was really weird and like I I don't begrudge her like I think a lot of people did at the time I just don't think it's a very good song I do it's catchy so this is the thing that like I'm popping in once a year to do this. Yeah. I'm not analytically... Like, it's sort of like you with, like, a Cage or Keanu movie. Like, oh, this song's... Or this movie's good. This movie's bad. But, like, yeah, but you don't get, like, the whole thing, man. True. It's like here, like, I don't... Like, yeah, I like the song. But you're like, yeah, but like, there's, like, a narrative here of, like, pop music and, like, this. And I'm just like, well, yeah, but, like, I kind of like the song. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just... Even taking it outside of that, this is... It's, it's weird that this song that's going to end up in movies like 13 going on 30... And um, uh, win a date with Tad Hamilton. Oh boy, I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, I did too until I saw what this was used in. Is just is written by the same person who wrote uh, a song like Five Foot Two. You know, it's 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 a totally different person. All right. Um, and that's it's weird. And if you wonder why a lot of people really begrudge Liz Fair, um, that is why because I think a lot of people. It'd be like if if Regina Spector <laughs> put out a, a, a Katy Perry song or something. If she that sentence went downhill so fast. Yeah, see? Um, I, I, I think the reason I haven't listened to Liz Fair is because in my brain, it was the same thing as Lilith Fair. Okay. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to like that. I wouldn't be shocked if she played a, a Lilith Fair at some point. Liz Fair, Lilith Fair, it's a good tongue twister. You know who would know? Nico. Write in, Nico. Um, what's the email for this? What's the email address for this show? Now and again cast? Now and again cast at gmail.com. I can get you a cageclub.me email if you want it. It's just, it's just so easy. And no one's, like, like three what people have ever written it. auto-forward anyway. to you. Ah, it's all right. 
Um, we finally got fan mail from an actual fan that we don't know on Zack Attack, and it made my day. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. A middle-aged married woman said, I've listened to all your episodes. I love, I love Zac Efron. I'm going to watch movies just because of him. We were like, yes, we did it. Congratulations. Feels good to know that there's someone out there listening. Rate and review on iTunes. <laughs> um, so we're going to jump into more really obnoxious pop music um, with Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. So local boys. I wrote down obligatory comment about New Jersey or something. Yep. Done. Next. Um, I think the weirdest thing that this is the weirdest part about this being on this now is that it's track sixteen. Well, that's part of the rock stuff that they do at the end. So I don't know if these songs were bigger. These last five songs were bigger than the others, or just more in line with the music I was sort of listening to. You know what I mean? Like, although because I'm not sure. Stacey's mom was everywhere. I understand that. You could not get away from that song. And I actually kind of like it now that I'm, you know, 10 plus years removed from hearing it for the first time. So I don't want to talk about the song because the song is weird. Like, the, I like the song, but I want to talk about the video. The video is especially weird. I want to talk about the video. Okay. So the video in comparison to the rest of the videos on here, like a lot of the videos on Now and Again songs are like, you know, check out JLo's ass. You know, look at right. look how curvy Beyonce is. Uh-huh. Or, you know, even the guys, it's like, let's get a close up of Justin's dick or whatever, right? Yeah. This is like sec. Like this makes those look like Sunday school. Like this is like this is this one's, so next level. This one's way grotier because it involves children. Well, there's I a lot. Like there's a lot of weirdness. Here. We're gonna end up on a list just for talking about this video. So the joke, quote unquote, joke of this video, yeah, is that Stacy's like a babe for like an underage girl, right? But like, who we're cares? talking like like twelve. No, they're like 14, 15, 16, I think. I don't think they're 14, 15, 16. I don't 16. think they're 12. Those, I, I would, okay, those kids are young. Those kids are way too young. This is like a kid just starting puberty. Wait, have you ever seen She's Too Young? Is it like oh, Lolita? Oh, man. No, She's Too Young is a Lifetime movie that I watched Oh, I love it already. Class, which is about how all these like 14-year-old kids are having sex. They're all getting... Rainbow parties? No, that was an episode of Huff. Did you watch Huff? No. I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, she's young. they all get, like, chlamydia or something. Okay. And it's all basically stemming from this one guy, sort of like the class player or whatever. And the line, I still remember, because I watched this in high school. Jesus. Sex Ed. He says, because they're talking about, like, you know, testing to see if anybody has it. Like, there's this whole, like, you know, small town. Like, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe it, whatever. Okay. And he says, and I quote, you better prick them all, because I sure have. Mm. Love it. Love good it. Good dialogue. One of the best movies, in, in terms of, like, Joe 2, loving trash movies. Oh, yeah. One of the best movies I've ever seen in school. What's short in school? So good. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, the Huff was okay. a Hank Azaria show, and rest in peace, Anton Yelchin was his son, mm. and there was a whole episode where he goes to a rainbow party and doesn't know what it is, and then, like, his mom, played by Paget Brewster really good show. I mean, not great show, but, like, really good cast. Yeah. Finds his underwear and it's got, like, different colored lipsticks, and she's like, well, I don't know what this means! And then, like, she, he, he has to explain, like, a rainbow party to her. It was on Showtime, so it was, like, actually sexually yeah. explicit. I don't think those actually existed. I think that was a thing that, like, uh, like a kid just made up to his parents, then, like, that... I just, I just and it, don't and it, got, it entered into movies? It just entered into, like, um, like, the won't somebody please think of the children kind of, uh... Like, church newsletters and shit. Watch out if your kids are going to rainbow parties next. They'll be playing the knockout game. 
Speaking of children, have you seen the movie This Has Nothing to Do with Music? And I, I realize we're getting horrifically off track, but there's not that many songs left, and we're really not that far into this episode. <laughs> have you seen the movie Who Can Kill a Child? Yeah. Yeah. That's Great a good movie. It's a good one. Yeah. Eli Roth loves that movie, so I was like, let me check one. it out. I think I prefer um, The Brood. Cronenberg's The Brood. I don't think I've I seen I believe the that's brood. the one with the evil children. That one's really good. Yeah, Who Can Kill a Child, where like this couple goes on vacation to an island and it's just all kids there. Yeah, but spoilers, when you find out that the kids are evil, that, yes, just murder the children. Yeah. Yeah. It's what? not even like a spoiler. It's just like, well, could you kill a child if the child wants to kill you? Like, ah, probably. Yeah, I'd bash his head against the rock. Yeah. This movie, uh, or this music video, does the um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High thing. I got real mad about that. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's close to my heart because that's a Nicolas Cage movie. That's his first actual movie, mm-hmm. Nicolas Coppola. And she comes out of the water just like that, and he, the kid's jerking off in the bathroom. Yeah, and they pretty much do that, and these kids are way too young. I, th- I think the whole joke is that they're supposed to be like right at the age where like they're starting to... This kid is just... Because there's a point where he's mowing the lawn, and like the lawnmower's bigger than him. There's no way he's right. like 14. So I think the whole point is like he's just supposed to be noticing ladies, and he's, instead of noticing... Like, the cute girl and having, like, a crush on someone his age, he's noticing the hot mom. This music video ends with a, a, a small kid getting caught jerking, jerking off by yeah. another small so kid. So did you know that the kid who plays the unnamed boy has a Wikipedia page? Oh, man. He, okay. Shane Edward Habucha, is an American actor, uh-huh. and he lives in Bel Air, in case you're curious, because of course he does. Yeah. Uh, but Stacy, whoever plays Stacy... That's it? That's the whole Wikipedia? It's like he's an actor known for Stacy's mom, basically. So he wrote that Wikipedia page. Probably, yeah. But St- whoever plays Stacy does not have a Wikipedia page. Good for her. Stacy's mom is played Ra- by... Is Rachel Hunter? Rachel Hunter. I keep mixing her up with Holly Hunter, but that is not correct. Radically different. She was a fan of the band and the song, and I searched, and yes, she has posed for Playboy. Oh, okay. So if you want to see the rest of Stacy's mom, just a few clicks away. Yeah. I mean, it's an it's a it's a regular ass pop song. It's catchier than usual. It's about something different. Um, it's a little jokey, which is kind of why I can see the band never having another major hit. But at the same time, this guy can write great pop music because at, I believe his name is Adam Schlesinger uh, wrote that thing you do and that really? whole soundtrack. Yeah. So again, another current reference that's going to be wildly outdated as we release this, but. And now 10, you're talking about the Baja Men's other song. Yeah. And it's like, there's a difference, because, like, Who the Dogs Out was massive, but not good. Mm-hmm. This is massive, and not great, but you're like, there's actual, like, talent, and there's a hook here. And, like, if you're like, hey, here's another cool song by Fountains of Wayne, I'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll listen to it. But, like, if you're like, hey, here's another Baja Men's song, I'd be like, I don't... Yeah, no. There's a weird, there's a real weird divide of one-hit wonders in terms of, like, bands I feel like there's two camps really there's bands like yeah I hear another one and bands are like no I'm good like, oh, it's yeah. just, like there's never like I guess by the nature of it like it's like you know they have the one song that you know do you want to like do you like two paths to vert in the woods and like third <laughs> and in between there's a tree with a of the noose and it's just like and that's that's the cover art for now and again <laughs> better to burn out or to fade away there is a serious XM channel called Wonderland O-N-E Durland, mm-hmm. and it's all one-hit wonders. And I had it, you know, because I don't listen to series in the car most of the time. I mostly listen to podcasts, like all the great entertainment you can find here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. But uh, when I get in and out of the car, I leave the series on, and I listen to whatever's on. And like Wonderland, for like a while, I was like, wow, this is all super cool, because it's all like huge songs. Then you realize that there's only like 
15 that they cycle through. So, like... Oh, really? So, there's only, like, so many times you can hear Paul Hardcastle's 19 before you're like, okay, I get it. Vietnam was really bad. Like, yeah. You get yeah. flagpole Sitta three times a day. It's it's a lot to handle. Yep. There also is an ejaculation soda bottle joke in this movie. In this I, video. Yes, there is. There's also, like, a weird Quentin Tarantino shot of the little girl's feet. It's, like, male gazy through the lens of a 12-year-old perv, and it's just... I hate this music video so much. So here's another thing. I, is... I genuinely, like, start skipping around in this video because it was just so <laughs> oogie. So currently we're watching... Joe 2 and I are watching separately Summerland, which I don't... we talked about, Aunt Becky. Oh, yes, yes. It's a show that Zac Efron was on. One of his first things he did, he was sort of the daughter's boyfriend. And it's basically a Christian OC. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a Seventh Heaven and the OC had a baby where it's, like, sort of edgy, but there's always a lesson to be learned. And what's super weird about that show, and also going back if you watch, like, Boy Meets World or any of those things, is that, like, they're meant for kids who are 13, 14, 15, whatever. Right. And you're watching other kids your age, attractive kids, make out with other attractive kids. Mm-hmm. But now I'm watching, like, Sarah Paxton, who's on that show, who's later in The Innkeepers and Cheap Thrills, oh, yeah. and, like, an actual actress, and she's, like, 16 years old in a bikini on the show, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Mm. Like, it's real weird. Right. Like, I'm not attracted to her, but I'm like, she's gonna become attractive. Yeah. And, like, you can tell she's a cute kid, but I'm just like, this is all, like, it's all super weird. Yeah, you just know there's someone out there who is, like, uh, who's jerked off to Natalie Portman in Black Swan, and then turns on the professional and is just like, oh, no, I've ruined my life. <laughs> and by someone out there, you mean two someones at this table? <laughs> No, no, no. Who jerks off to Black Swan? Unless it's the scene where Winona Ryder is stabbing herself in the face. <laughs> There's a lot of sexy stuff in Black Swan. I guess. It's like sexy stuff like David Lynch stuff is sexy. No one's going to jerk off to... Oh, not, never mind. There's someone who's definitely jerked off to Blue Velvet. You, you could jerk off to a lot of Twin Peaks. You could jerk off to a lot of... Uh, Mulholland Drive. There's a big lesbian scene. The, uh, I jerk off to the scene where the guy's walking behind the Winkies. <laughs> <laughs> I try to finish right when the monster pops out. <laughs> Did you see David Ehrlich's tweet about, like, trying to think of anybody, real or otherwise, who could possibly be a worse president than Donald Trump? And he said, maybe the guy behind Winkies, but at least he knows what it's like to be a poor person. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, that was Stacy's mom. <laughs> this next song I have to ask you before we unveil it, was this 18-year-old Chris's favorite song? I, I feel like it might be. I hate this band. Really? Yeah, I hate them. I don't like them, but it feels like this song was right up your alley. Oh, man. I, I thought this song was gross then. It's Good Charlotte's uh, Girls and Boys. Girls don't like boys, girls like cars and money. Boys will laugh at girls when they're not funny. And these girls like these boys, like these boys, like these Now, this song takes, like, the really dumb, like, can you sing this for me? You can cut it out of the podcast. I just don't remember exactly how it goes. Girls don't love oh, yeah, okay. oh, yeah, 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 girls yeah. like cars and money. Yes. Um, this takes just like the most basic goofus and gallant like battle of the genders yeah. ideas and puts them into a really shitty song. What's the moral of this song? Girls don't like boys. Girls like cars and money. So is that empowering or is that sexist? Sexist. Is there any way that we could spin it that it's empowering? Have a woman cover it. Ooh. How about Lauren Mayberry from Churches? That, no, that is that is so <laughs> below her. That is so beneath her. They just do a lot of covers, which is why I thought of her first. And also, I'm in love with her. Yeah. Um, I told, uh, when, when we were vacationing in Scotland, I was like, uh, to my girlfriend, I was like, when we run into Lauren Mayberry, 
I'm sorry, but I'm, like, leave I'm you. staying there. And she's, her reaction just was just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's the best part about all these times that like, you hear people like, oh, you know, my hall pass, like Scarlett Johansson. Like, right. But like, if you think about it for like even a quarter of a second more, you're like, boy, the opposite has to be true. <laughs> oh, yeah. That this beautiful, famous movie star who is busy with things and has a life and yeah. could literally have anything she wants in the world, you know, material or otherwise, has to see your schlubby ass exactly. on the street of, of Scotland and be like, I'm sorry, who are you? Yeah. Let's go to bed right now. Yeah. Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza are sitting together talking about their hall passes and Anna Kendrick's just like, yeah, you know, I'm really looking for like a 5'6 uh, D&D player who has a podcast. <laughs> That's my hall pass. And then Aubrey Plaza's like, oh, so you mean millions of Americans? <laughs> exactly. She's walk outside in California and hit seven of those. This is another song with a breakdown. <sighs> the music video is almost funny. I wrote that I kind of like this song. Again, not, you know, I like this song in a way that, like, Stockholm Syndrome was taken over my body. I don't want to, I'm not going to seek this out, but it's catchy enough that I'm enjoying when you're 75 minutes deep into a now, that's what I call music playlist, I kind of like it. And then as literally as I typed that, the breakdown began and I wrote barf. Yeah, it's just terrible. There's nothing redeeming about this. Um, Do you think that now and again would work better for your purposes? Okay, so we talked earlier about how it has to be 20 songs as opposed to 12 because you're not buying it for an album. What you're doing is insane. In terms of listenability... Mm -hmm. Clearly what they do does not work for your purposes in terms of... Or do you think it does work? Do you think going from pop to R&B and hip-hop to Mexican, Latina, Latino to rock, does that work for you? It makes it harder just because there's stuff that I don't know coming from with my background and like my culture of of boring-ass suburban white kid. Um, but it does make for a more interesting podcast and it allows me to find more stuff that I never would have found before. The Boys of Summer by the Ataris. Yes, or, uh, the Ataris. Or uh, originally by the Don Henleys. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I love this song. I don't love this cover. Uh, friend of the podcast, who's not been on the podcast, Ben Negrian, who you know from Rafting, loves covers. Mm-hmm. And there's another series channel, it's all covers. And okay. it's, it's a similar thing where, like, it's it's cool to a point when you find something that works, but, like, I think, I just love 80s music, and I, I don't love this. It's like, hey, you want a genre, you want a band from a genre you're not crazy about covering a song you like? And I understand that part of the aesthetic of a cover is, like, to have some, a radically different sound applied to a song, but... I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, it's one of the appeals, at least. I, it's one of the possible appeals. Sure. Right? At this time, like, the early 2000s, pop punk and ska covers of songs was, like, such the rage. Like, so many of those bands, like, the, your Newfound Glories and your, uh, I don't know, shit ska band, Real Big Fish is... Uh, like all had um, <laughs> is that the plural of real they're not big even fish? that bad actually real, I don't know reals, why I went with them reals big fish reals reals big fish the real big fish um, like it was so, it was a thing to do covers of songs yeah um, and really all I want in a cover song is I want it to sound different enough that it's not just something that I could pick up a guitar and like do sure it's like don't don't make it sound like karaoke yep and also 
So do you like this? I think it's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I could listen to this. I'd rather listen to the Don Henley one most right. of the time. Um, I don't mind it. I don't get offended when they change Deadhead sticker to Black Flag sticker. Have, like, have that doesn't they, bother me. Have there been covers on now before? Ooh, good question. I don't think so. Because I feel like a lot of covers... Lady Marmalade. Yeah, but... Like, but that was in, no, that was on admission. Was it really? That wasn't on it now? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of covers like that one, it's sort of like they make it so their own that you don't know it's a cover, sort of. You know what I mean? Like Sure. Unless you're yeah. Nico. I bet there's definitely people who didn't know that this was a cover. But I mean, that's that's another thing. It's like it's introducing a whole new generation to a song that they probably wouldn't have known about anyway. So what is more... Okay. What's more offensive to you, a bad cover or a bad remake of a movie? The original's still there. I, I don't... I guess... So you're not really about... You, of all the opinions about everything, are indifferent to this question? No, the answer is a bad remake of a movie because I can pick up a guitar and have a... I was in a band. Like, we played a shitload of bad covers. Whoa. Um, Rag much? <laughs> we played a bunch of terrible covers yeah. of songs. And that required, you know, any band can do that that's remotely competent in, like, 30 minutes. But it takes hundreds of man hours and millions of dollars to create Point Break 2014 or whatever whatever year that was. So, I, yeah, I guess also, like, if a, if a cover's bad, you're out after three minutes, whereas right. if a movie's bad, it's a minimum of 90 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, and I think most people would probably have... Hmm, I guess there's some songs, much like movies, that probably should never be covered. Hmm, now that I think about that, maybe maybe that isn't actually there for songs. I feel like every song has been coved, whereas like no one's gonna have the balls to remake, no one's gonna remake the, Godfather. the Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> the Godfather twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess I guess a bad movie remake offends me more, but neither of them really do because I just still think just don't see it, and the original is still there. You know what I want to see more of? I want to see more sequels to songs mm-hmm. um, that don't need sequels. Like what happens after Stacy's mom? Oh, Stacy's. Dad is divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no. In Stacy's mom, there's no way that Stacy's mom's still married. Like, there's no way that they're together. Oh, yeah. Because if she's ch- literally taking off her bra in an open bathroom window in front of a kid, there's no way she's in a happy marriage. Oh, so, so this should have like the prequel. It's like Stacy's dad died and Stacy's mom is Stacy's mom's wedding acting out now. Yeah. Yeah, I want more prequels and sequels to songs. Well, did you know that um, Lady Gaga does a song called Summer Boy, which is the boys of summer from the girls' perspective? Is it really? Yep. And it's basically about... I mean, That was like song, a B-side. That was never on an album, was uh, it? It might have been... Was it on the Fame? On the deluxe version of the Fame. Okay. Um, I mean, this the boys of summer, if you think about it, is about a cuck. And not like the post-racist frogs on Twitter cuck, but like the actual like sex description of that. Like, like to... Or like you're... you're significant other has sex with other people and you don't mind like that's basically what this song is about it's like oh summer's here and you're going away and you're gonna go have sex with all these guys but i'll still be here for you the lady yeah exactly um so summer boy by lady gaga is kind of about that i wish you didn't tell me that because now i like that song less because that's such a like a shitty story to that song i don't i couldn't tell you any of the lyrics except for deadhead stick around the cadillac that's the beauty and uh, tragedy of pop, is it not that you don't even listen to the lyrics sometimes? I don't listen to the lyrics of any song. Well, okay. There you go. That's what The Boys of Summer is about, so ruined for you. Um, that almost <laughs> makes it fit more to me with, like, uh, a pop punk guy than it does uh, Don Henley. What, a cuck? Well, just, like, the fact that, like, uh, yeah, kind of, exactly. 
Because I feel like listening to the original song, you're like having sex on the beach somewhere. Like the original song to me is somewhere like a cross between Top Gun and Point Break. Okay, interesting. Um, to me, that song is like, that is someone who is singing it 20 years down the line. Like he was like, look how stupid I was for trying, oh. for like five years in a row, trying to only be with this girl in like nine months while in the summer she would go and have sex with someone else. But he's like looking at it and he's like, you know, that was me being young and dumb. And this song, it sounds like Atari's it's like happening in the now. Yeah. <laughs> Poor the Ataris. I do really like the, the um, I don't know, it's got some good parts to it. I think the buildup um, in the bridge is pretty dang good, uh, honestly. Um, I think the, the pause before the last chorus works really well. I think it drives all the way through, but it is just a pop punk song. It's root notes, uh, you know, kick snare, kick, kick snare beat. It's uh, a really basic guitar riff. It, it's, it's exactly what's coming out of the New Found Glories and whatnot bands of this era. It's just a better song because it's the fucking Boys of Summer. I think this might be the song why I picked this album. Sorry? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Well, anything else to say about that one? I'm sorry mm-hmm. I ruined the Boys of Summer for you. It's okay. Um, I'll forgive you eventually. Well, are you, will you forgive me for having to listen to Someday by Nickelback? It was just at this point where I was thinking, like the back half of this, the the, the back half of this disc is so good, and then Nickelback comes in. Not so good in like the wow, this is an album that I can't wait to listen to again. But wow, in the same way that I've been saying, like a lot of the song is inoffensive. A lot of these songs are inoffensive, yeah. and that I actually enjoy listening to. And then Nickelback comes in, and it's more earwormy than I wished it was because it's still stuck in my head. But it's not good. It's the same song as This Is How You Remind Me. It's same. not the same song? Exactly. That's, that's, like a, that's not a sarcastic question. It's a serious question. No. I just sort of... Okay. It, there's actually a great... Um, someone put This Is How You Remind Me in the left channel and someday in the right channel of a YouTube video mm-hmm. and plays them starting right at the same time and it is the exact same song. That's That'll be in the liner notes. Um, now, there's no... They're cannibalizing themselves on their first fucking album. But they sold a lot of money. They sold a lot of songs. This peaked at number seven. He married Avril. So that's jealous. stupid. Um, she, she. We've said it before. She ran the gamut of all of the Canadian, all two of the Canadian rock stars. <laughs> um, Drake is next. Watch out, Drake. David Cross does not have a joke about Nickelback. That's about Scott Stapp from Creed, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, you got to listen to that. That's gonna get cut out of the podcast. Okay, I'd like to take a moment to um, dispel with the fiction that Nickelback is good. There's been this Wait, thing... Wait, there's fiction that Nickelback's good? Yeah, there's been this thing on the internet where people are, like, trying to redeem them, like there are some assholes trying to redeem, like, the Star Wars prequels. Wait, is, is Nickelback a... Are they a Christian band? They're not a Christian band. No. Is Creed a Christian band? Yes. Okay. Continue. I just... I just... I think that's some, like, post-hipsterism, um, like, writing on your Medium blog on a, on a day you're hungover kind of bullshit. Like, there are people that are trying to give a redemption to Nickelback and I'm sorry that is never going to happen how many Nickelback think pieces have you read at least one with several tweets of, from people saying like actually Nickelback wasn't that bad well there's a difference between wasn't that bad and was good I just feel like it's like 
You know, no one's making like a Nickelback horseshoe theory, like thirty-page think piece about it was why a that's good. Theory. Uh, it's that. Is it the horseshoe theory or the the ring theory about why the Star Wars prequels are actually brilliant? Oh no, I horseshoe don't know. Horseshoe theory is politics and about why the far left and the far right are actually just as bad. If you read a think piece about that, that writer is also an idiot too. I'm okay. mixing up my terrible think pieces. Because there's also the. Uh, eagle theory? No, not the eagle theory. The owl theory from is the, the staircase. Eagle theory about Don Henley writing the Boys of Summer. Yes, it's also it's like it's, but it's a, it's a theory about how Lincoln Park's chaos theory is about the Boys of Summer. Wait, you're serious? No. Oh, okay. I don't what even I was, know anymore. What we've I was gone, trying we've to say, on through to the other side. What I was trying to say was that the owl theory is this theory about the murder mystery miniseries, The Staircase which is amazing, and you're going to bring this home, you're going to watch that, and there's this whole owl theory that, like, explained how the wife died. This um, is, like, this is the jinx, and this is, like, all that stuff, bef- making a murderer before that. Like, this okay. is 2002, and this is great. And hybrid theory, they say, is about this? No. You're just making There's stuff There's an owl up. theory. Oh, I, I'm just confused now. I'm just throwing the word theory around. I, I know. It's going to make theory. sense in, in playback. I think you missed a Chaos words. theory. Chaos theory. So eagle theory, which is what I misspoke, was combining the eagles and the boys of summer with Linkin Park's chaos theory. Oh, I'm an idiot. Um, There's just a lot of theories going around. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the staircase is like ten hours long. Then there was two hours they did a couple of years ago. Okay. But this is very it's very one sided documentary making, which you will see. Gotcha. Um, um, but, but yeah, Nickelback. That's about it, right? Um, I. They're not good. They never will be good. Um, I hope we get to photograph because that song is really stupid, but I don't know if it actually shows up on it now. Um, check out the liner notes for the uh, This Is How You Remind Me of Someday mashup. It's really pretty pathetic. The last song, at least we go out on a relative high note. Um, or is that not true for I you? I think I was in the same place you were with some of these songs, where by now I was just like, fuck it, it's not even that bad anymore. I'm here without you, baby. Um, it's not my favorite Three Doors Down song because it's not Kryptonite. E- easily, if, if you had to pick a Three Doors Down song, it's Kryptonite. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I said it's a goddamn jam relative to the other last track. So this is a real sort of like double speak that I'm writing in my notes here about how all these other songs leading up to it, I'm just like, oh, this is not bad. And then I'm here like, oh, thank God that we finally have a real song. This song actually feels like someone wrote it and like meant some of the words. Whereas, like, someday it just feels like a guy put a bunch of, like, words together and was like, gonna sing it in my underbite voice, and then that was it, and it was a rock song? I bet if you were in the right headspace and you heard whoever the lead singer is of Three Doors Down do this, like, acoustic, you'd cry. Uh, I probably wouldn't cry, you'd but cry. Uh, someone out there would. I mean, they're, they're, they played Trump's inauguration, so fuck Did they really? Down. I forgot yeah. about that. All right, so, we're like, done. We're kinda done. Kind of fuck them, but, like, um, everyone needs a paycheck. You know, um, I thought they said no because they got that girl. Nah, like a, they did it. They did oh it. Boy, um, this the lead singer of this band. I can't get over how much he looks like something that a narrator from an H.P. Lovecraft story writes about as the last thing they see. <laughs> he's just really got a touch of the Insmith in his head and eyes, and he's not a pretty boy. Um, no, I don't hate this song as much as I probably should. And Three Doors Down is not nearly nearly as offensive as Nickelback. That's right. That's probably some of the nicest stuff I can say about We're trending this song. upwards as Now 14 ends. Now 14 does come to an end, but the um, kind of mediocre-ass rock 
uh, does not end because we are doing some rock-centric emissions. Oh no! Now I'm so self-conscious about all my notes for these omissions. Okay, well, it should be interesting, but we're starting off on the highest possible note. Oh, okay, good. With okay. the White Stripes okay. Seven Nation Army. Okay, because you said, you know, mediocre rock, and I was like, you're going to go into what is my favorite song by... I mean, I never really got deep into the White Stripes, the White Stripes, mm-hmm. but it is... I wrote down, dope video, yes. dope song, uh-huh. dope band, yep. love it all. Uh, that bass line, which is actually just played on a guitar yeah. with an octave pedal, um... Jack White is an incredible songwriter. I don't care about any of his stuff. Uh, I would say post The White Stripes, but I forget if there's an album after Icky Thump. I would say post Icky Thump. Um, After that, I don't think Jack White has really done anything I've given a shit about. It's really hard for me to keep track of what their albums are because they're all red and white. And I'm like, I like the one with the red, white, and black cover, which I don't remember. This album is the best album. The album with uh, Meg White looking lethargic on the cover. Where she's drumming sad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this song is so good. I'm glad it found its place as like a uh, stadium anthem at games, and I'm glad that people at soccer arenas will chant the riff. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 it's a good one. There's not too many like great modern rock stadium songs. It's like this and Chelsea Dagger. Maybe What's shipping Chelsea up Dagger? to Boston. It's the one that they play when the um, the Blackhawks score. Oh, from beer commercials. That too. Uh, what about a song two by Blur? Yeah, that's a good one. A little older, but yeah, that one's that one is good. It is cool when they repurpose rock so like when, yeah, like when they Olay. absorb good. I guess Olay was they took the chant and made that into a rock song. No, it is cool though. Seven, seven it's just I can't believe this wasn't on there. The song is so good. Um, according to Wikipedia, like it has a bunch of under the reception area. It says like you know it made a bunch of like best rock song of the decade and like best rock songs of the new millennium kind of list and it had it in like the top 10 on a lot of those lists is the am i crazy or was this like when rolling stone five or ten years ago put out like their 100 greatest guitar songs of all time this was like in the top 10 or something i wouldn't doubt that it's not it was a like hard really guitar high, song which but like is fun. It's, it's iconic it's like it is iconic let me see what I, let me see if i can find that real quick it absolutely it just slays all around like when when the riff comes in the the chorus is so intense every single time the the lyrics are memorable without being either too on the nose or too ridiculous like they're not really about anything um but you still remember all it's not like it's fucking an Aerosmith song where he's just going like uh, I don't know why he sounds like Happy Gilmore there but um so the wait what is this album the oh the hundred best songs this of the is 2000s. on Elephant maybe so on Rolling Stone's 100 Best Songs of the 2000s, which came out in June 2011, this is number six. Mm-hmm. Number five is Paper Planes. Number four is Hey Ya. Number three is Crazy in Love. Wow. Oh, I forgot. This actually isn't on now and again. This is a... or This is not, this is not on... This yeah, is not this on is now, 14. This yeah. is on mission. Number two is 99 Problems. And number one is Gnarls Barkley Crazy. Was Crazy on it now? I think I so. I feel like it almost had to be. Um, That's going to be a little later, though. But I feel like this is not the list that I was trying to think of. 500 greatest songs of all time. Here we go. It's certainly not going to... All time, oh, two, it's not going to make it anywhere. Yeah, it's not going to make it anywhere there. Um, 100 greatest... Wait, hold on. 100 greatest guitar songs of all time? There was a list where I remember this being really freaking high. 
Well, check Wikipedia. It's it had a list of like a couple of things where it uh Okay, so on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Guitar Songs of All Time, which came out a, nine years ago, this was number 21. That's pretty high. Which is actually, yeah, really respectable. Yeah. It's it's a song that really slays. I think it's probably the best rock song that they wrote. Because um, they didn't only write rock songs. They wrote some folky stuff, too. Like, uh, I Can Tell That We're Gonna Be Friends. Um, Deadly... Um- Dead Leaves on Dirty Ground. Like, those aren't yeah. super rocky. Like, this and Fell in Love with a Girl are, like, really, like, they're rocky, rocky songs. Right. And uh, Icky Thump as well. And this one's just so... It's so perfectly... Good? Pure? It's so simple. Like, sometimes yes. a rock song doesn't have to be ridiculous. It's, it it yeah. kind of has that Pixies uh, style of, like, soft, loud, soft, loud, very loud. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes that works. You know, simple and cliche and... What works, works for a reason. I'll give you three guesses to guess songs in the top ten of the ten greatest guitar songs of all time. From nine years ago. Oh, wait, so of all time. Of all time. Of all Guitar time. songs, not songs, just guitar songs. Guitar songs, okay. Um, Stairway? No. Yes, eight, sorry. Um, what Hendrix song is going to be on there? Um, it's number two, if you can get it. Uh, 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 Dude. Do, 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 do. I'm All doing the Jeopardy the thing. Purple Haze. Okay, so they, they went with the obvious one. Um, so, Purple Haze, Crazy Train. Nope. Okay. Uh, Smoke on the Water. Nope. Uh, Baba O'Reilly. Nope. Jeez. Um, the most recent song is number 10, and it's like from 1990 like Teen Spirit. Yep. Yeah, that Number 9, Statesboro Blues. I don't even know what that is. Almond Brothers, then Stairway, then while my gu- while my guitar gently weeps. Oh sure, yeah. Then Eruption, Van uh, Halen, okay. Brown Sugar. Oh you- wait, wait, um, 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 uh, Freebird on there somewhere. Nope, Jeez. not in the top ten. Brown Sugar's number five. You really Brown got me. Sugar. Number four, Crossroads. Number three, what? Purple Haze, and then number Layla? one. Number one, you're not gonna like, but your kids are gonna love it. Uh, uh, uh. I don't How do you not get the most obvious Back to the Future reference? Oh, Johnny Be Good. Yeah, buddy. Okay. All right. Where are the other ones? Layla's 13. I'm just looking for other things you guessed on here. Purple Rain is 19. All right. Oh, that's good. Um, I don't see Freebird on here. Well, Freebird's yeah, probably Freebird's on here. Yeah, Freebird's not there. Eh. Freebird it's just, it's just excessive. Crazy Train is 51. Okay. Freebird is 64. So okay. they're on there. They're just not up, you know, that high. Could have done worse. Could have done worse. That's a fun little diversion. Sure. Um, now, while we're talking about classic rock, let's uh, jump into Jet's Are You Gonna Be My Girl. One, two, three, take my hand and come with me because you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. I say you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. Uh, is this a cover? Well, um, it No, depends. Are You Gonna Go My Way? Is that a cover? That is not a cover. This, this being a cover or not depends how many royalties you want to give Iggy Pop for writing Lust for Life. Uh, and they didn't want to give any to him. Oh, this is that song, isn't it? Yeah. I hate this so, song. I hate Jet. I hate this, I, this. these bands that came out and just covered the 60s as, like, a style and sound without actually um, getting what made that time and sound interesting. So here's what I'm going to say about this song in the song's defense, if we're playing debate. Fun in rock band. The fact that I've played it 300 times in rock band and still sort of enjoy hearing it, 
that's a good song. There's a reason I, I thought I hated Radiohead because I play because when you first get the first rock band, you have five songs to play for two and a half hours. Yeah, when it's creep. I'm like, oh, creep Radiohead, terrible. <laughs> and there was one other song. What was the other really? Oh, Weezer, Say It Ain't So. Yeah. I, was like, I still haven't gotten over that. Like, I'm still not on board with Weezer. Mm-hmm. But I was like, and then Radiohead became my favorite band of all time. But this music video, which I'd never seen before, is like an iPod commercial without the color. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most iPod commercials I remember didn't even have color. Well, they sort of they had splashes of color, maybe toward the middle or toward the end. Yeah. But like instead of just having the black and white, like it, there was, there's a bit, there's commercials that I remember that are in my head where it's like they're dancing and then just sort of like the background's a different color. Or like oh yeah, black like on the, the background. The silhouettes, the yes. dancing on colors. Yeah, yeah, sure. It feels like that aesthetic, but just yeah. without color. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's because this band is, despite the fact that they're just covering the '60s and '70s, they are t- like the quintessential, like put it on in a department store in the background band. Like, this song is not actually very interesting. Um, Here's what I wrote down, which I think validates your point exactly. I said that if the Beatles in the Sgt. Pepper era made an iPod commercial, it would be this. Well, so it's like artificiality of the 60s without any kind of substance. They did a song that I can't think of the name of, but the lyrics go like, Oh, look what you've done. You made a fool of everyone. And it's a slow piano song. The Beatles or Jet? Jet. But it just steals the riff of like one or two Beatles songs. Um, Do you think anybody else has ever confused the Beatles with Jet before, like I just did? Well, I think if you hear the opening chords of that song that I'm thinking of, probably. Okay. Because I don't know the Beatles that well, but I do know that they lust for life to that song. Oh, right, I forgot you hate all the things that are like with, uh, liked by everyone um, in terms of music. No, I, I don't. I think we've proven that that is not... Somewhat true. Sometimes true. true. The Beatles is true. I just don't really care about the Beatles. That's fair. Um, yeah, Jet sucks. Um... I think if the Beatles still, never wrote emotion. If you still like Jet in 2017, how I many, think there's something wrong with how you. How many songs did they have? They had like four albums. They broke up and then got back together. But like, how many hits did they have? Maybe two. Are you gonna be my girl? Yeah, they might have had one more, and then they had that slow one. Um, they're all off the same album. I don't think they had another big hit after. Get Born, I believe it was called. Uh, typing Jet into Google does not work. <laughs> I can type Jet into Apple Music. I got it. Um, look what you've done. Cold Hard Bitch. That was a song that they had. Um, I don't think I know what and then, these. Yeah, Look What you d- You've Done is the name of the song that is basically um, a loose Beatles cover. So four of their top six songs on Apple Music are Are You Gonna Be My Girl from different albums. That's unsurprising because this band never really did anything. Oh, wait, did they cover Come Together? I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm gonna guess that's not them. This is Jet, but it's not The Beatles Come Together. (laughs) That's gonna get cut out. All right. No, that's not gonna cut out. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, a couple of these emissions have had... We've hit this period where all of these old man magazines like Rolling Stones, every third month put out a new article that says, like, the blank saves rock. And it's always like Jet, or The Strokes, or The Killers, or um, The Hives, or The Vines, or The White Stripes. It's just there was this point where old dudes experiencing, like, their midlife crisis or just after their midlife crisis believed that their music was under attack. But... And they needed to imagine that rock was not going to die. What I will say about that era 
living it five years later through Rock Band, sort of, is that it wasn't that bad. No, I agree. There's some good shit in there. It's just like, you know, the Vines or the Hives had one song or a couple songs. And yeah. like, as long as you're not like, as long as you're not anointing them to save rock, if you're like, well, hey, they're putting out some good songs every once in a while. Yeah, bad. your enemies and your uh, and your Rolling Stones definitely did anoint all of these bands as the thing that would save rock. I'm mad because when I was in high school, I found out too late that Rolling Stone, when they were desperate to get people, offered a 50-year subscription for 100 bucks. Wow, that is desperate. I also wouldn't want that. <laughs> you wouldn't want... What is it? Monthly or weekly? What is Rolling Stone? Weekly. monthly. No. Yeah, is it? I think it's monthly. You wouldn't want 12 issues of that for... Two bucks a year? Two bucks a year. No. All right. No, you get a good Matt Saibi article every now and then, but you get a real lot of garbage. All right. Do you think they're still trying to save rock? Fall Out Boy saved rock. That of was, course they did. They made an album called that. Did they really? Yeah. Is the album called Fall Out Boy Saves Rock? Yes. Is it really? Yeah. It's sad now. <laughs> Uh, these last couple songs are good. Uh, to be honest, this this these omissions were tough. Um, there wasn't a whole lot at this time. Maybe does that does that mean that they're doing a good job? Well, there wasn't a whole lot that they really missed. Um, there's a couple here and there, um, but 2003 honestly now did a decent job with pop and hip hop. And um, how do you just you just go through like the Billboard charts and see what like what the big omissions are? How do you how do you do the omissions? Um, I look at both the rock charts and the um, hip-hop charts and the pop, like, the overall pop charts, and I see what was out that time, and, yeah, what was not on and out. Interesting. All right. And there's some... It's a peek behind the curtains. There's there's more rock, because a lot of rock doesn't chart as high, so a song like the Jet song might have charted at, like, 90 or 85 on, like, the top, like, the final 100 of the year, you know, like, the final right. list that they put out. Um, but on the actual rock chart, it'll be, like, you know, maybe five, um, top, five. top five or yeah. something like that. Um so I check those because I feel like um, now and again, uh, or now that's why I call music, does skimp on the rock a little bit more than anything else. Have did you? Has your brain changed, because mine has, into thinking that these discs were called now and again? Yes, 100%. <laughs> My brain is broken, period. Um, that's fair. Partially from this. Uh, last song, uh, it's Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. soft spot for this song even though I know it's extremely bad the music video also the song is pretty okay the music video is garbage the music video seems to be about a woman who really wants to kill herself well she hears a terrible noise and then discovers it's her band and throws herself off of a building (laughs) and she's like fighting to be thrown off the building the guy's like no the guy looking like you are in this band we need a lady singer he looks like Dean Cook he does look a little like Dan Cook. I think he's also got a ball necklace, which is he's very 2003. Colored spiked hair, sort of a spiked choker necklace, mm-hmm. earrings. Real cool guy. I don't think that guy is in Evanescence. I think he. No, is, he's singing the song though. Right, but I. Th- I you think, think he's an actor in the video? No, no. I think he's like featuring guy, guy rock fellow from this other band. I don't think he's an Evanescence member. All I know is Amy Lee. Right. Yeah. So the first Evanescence song I ever heard was Lies, which starts out with her like in that like sort of angelic gospel-y... Which is what she does. Which I was like, oh, I'm so in love. Like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the rest of the song and the rest yeah. of their songs, and I was just like, 
<sighs> yeah, you know, people say that she has a great voice, and if she, like, she has a better voice than me by a thousand miles, but like, for Would like, you walk a thousand miles? Uh, not for Evanescence, no. Okay. Because really, her voice never really rises that far above like decent high school drama kid. So I think what I like about it, and I think why they were successful, is because in that genre, there's not a lot like that. They kind of invent that genre with a female lead. Right. Which, my whole music I mean, thing... Invent is very loose, but like... That, popular, popularize it. That, that you know, hot topic goth isn't yeah. a thing yet, really. My whole thing with music can be summed into, I like British rock okay. and song or bands with female singers. I've been told I love bands with female singers as well. Yeah, it's just a thing. Like, yeah. I just want a pretty girl to sing to me. That's <laughs> what I want. That's what I want in life. I and think there's more you can do with harmonies when you've got a female singer for some reason. Or at least they sound better. I don't know. Wait, are you the person who said on Twitter recently, I'm the guy who likes the church's songs sung by the guy? Uh, yes, AMA? I do. Yeah. Can, you, can, I, can, we just, can we dissect that tweet for a second? Sure. Why? <laughs> um, so... I said that despite the fact that I only actually like one of four of them. It's the one on, uh, on, um, what's the, the second album? Every Open Eye? Yeah. I like that song. The, if you never would have given you up, you up, if you only hadn't given me up, me up, that one. Uh, all of the other songs he sings suck, but that is more than anyone I've ever known who liked Churches. Everyone I know skips the guy songs. Because they're bad. They are mostly bad, yes. The thing about churches is that I saw them one and a half times. I saw them once at Coachella when they were very, not starting out, but they were like, I think at the start of their like super, like really like, oh, we're not quite ready for this fame level yet. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a stage presence and she was so boring and stiff on, like she sounded great, but she just stood there and didn't do anything. Yeah. And then he sang his one song off that first album and he actually kind of had like performance like yeah. he sort of did a thing and I was like oh that's cool and then they were playing in Austin like a couple of South by shows that I sort of like peeked over fences to see and she's like way a, a better performer now like I just took her time but like if she was a better performer I would definitely not care about that dude's songs like that's the time to like check out and just like drink water or whatever you need to do except for that one song uh, they are the worst songs on every church's album for sure it's remarkable yeah, it's kind of, even like Rilo Kiley, kind of, Blake's songs are always, almost always significantly worse than Jenny's songs. What about Silver Lining? Silver Lining? That's entirely her song. Is it? Yeah. What about Moneymaker? That's her. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Is it really? Yeah. What about Portions for Foxes? That's all female vocalists. That's all Jenny Lewis vocals. Wait, what are we talking about? Are you talking about... You know that Rilo Kylie has a guy that sings no, I some didn't of the know songs. that. That's why I'm so wildly oh, confused. Okay. Pinsky from Salute Your Shorts is the guitar player in that band. Really? Yes, and he sings at least like Hold one on. song every album. Huh? And there's only one song that of his that is like better than any of her songs. Th- this is this is a revelation because I thought I thought you were saying. I thought you were saying Jenny Lewis solo stuff is better than Rilo Kiley. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking which about... I didn't understand how that tracked from what we were talking about with Church. No, no, Blake Sennett. He's the guitarist. He played Pinsky on Salute Your Shorts. Uh, he is the guitarist for Rilo Kiley, and he sings like huh. one or two songs every album. Clearly, I'm not as into Rilo Kiley as I'm into Churches. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Ripcord is one that's really good. It's like a really sad song about his friend Elliot Smith. Um, 
Stabbed himself in the heart. Yeah. Or was murdered. Mm. Uh, and then he has a really good one called uh, For the Rest of My Life. But other than that, his songs are just kind of like the skippable ones. I guess that's how it works when you have bands where it's like a lead singer who sings 90% of the songs and then someone else who sings 10% of the songs. Like, that can't be like Lauren Mayberry's decision. Like, that's the guy, like, I, I have a song I want to sing. And yeah. she's like, fine. You know what? This will give me a break during the concert. I can go pee. Because I, I don't think she drink. stays on stage. I think she leaves. Why would you? I know. There's, the, there's another band that I really, really like called The Joy Formidable. Do you know The Joy Formidable? They're from no, Wales. They're amazing. Their first album is great. Their first, like, actual LP is great. Then their second album is really good. Their, their newest album is not as good. But they have a... It's a three-piece band. It's a guy on drums, a guy on bass who sings every once in a while, and a lead singer slash guitarist who's adorable and she swears and she's the best. Okay. Uh, Ritzy Bryan. We have proven uh, on this episode that we both, in our younger days, or now, uh, have a thing for girls who curse in music. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Between Jenny Lewis and Liz Fair and... And Ritzy Bryan. Yeah. But he has grown, I think, that that's sort of the... I don't remember why I brought them up, but like he sings every once in a while, too, but he's sort of grown as a songwriter, and like his songs are better... I just hope that I have him. I have faith that like the church's guy can become mm. better. Yeah, I don't hate his voice. Are there any bands that have a guy lead that a girl just pops in for like one or two tracks? Uh, Neon Trees. Oh, uh, really? I've never heard any. They have a girl drummer. Yeah. And she doesn't have a song. Maybe she has a song by now, but she has at least like a really cool verse on one song. Okay. And I think it's cool because like it's unexpected. Hmm. Yeah. Let me think. I bet we get to them in, like, 30 volumes. They've got to have a couple songs. They've got to have Animal on here at some or, point. Or 1980... I don't know if I know that one. 1983? I don't know if I know that one. So there was a... So I really liked them, and then they had three songs. Like, their three big hits went to rock band. They're all fun to play in rock band. Mm. Animal and... Everybody Sins Talks. of My Youth. Oh. And 1983. And then Everybody Talks was their second album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fun. Um, we got really off... Well, we're done, so I mean, it's Oh, just... one of the reasons that this song came to me in emissions is, um... So this came out when I was The Evanescence in... song, you mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, We just haven't life. talked about them in, like, eight minutes, so I want right. to oh, bring us back uh, to center. Daredevil. That song is a highlight of Daredevil. Is it really? Uh, Electra kills sandbags to that song. Yeah, he has Oh, that's what you were saying, because... You were like, stay tuned for part two when Ben Affleck actually... There's something that matters. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, that would have been such a... a, a terrible loose thread to leave our yeah, listeners no, they hanging. Yeah, I never would have known. Uh, yeah, so sh- that's uh, a major part of the original Daredevil movie. Cool, cool. Um, so I have a pretty, some pretty interesting memories of that song, because we've we've talked about in the past how Nico and I love to get drunk and do karaoke. Not so much anymore, but in like our mid-20s. Um, so that's about mm, seven to eight years after the song initially came out. And what I like to do at karaoke is get drunk and then do songs that no one wants to hear anyone karaoke. Okay. Uh, like Electric Six's Gay Bar. Um, I like to do that at bars, not sing, but I like to do the touch tunes. Oh, yes. So, The Lonely Island, which, again, maybe an EP of The Lonely Island has uh, been out by now. Oh, yeah. Um, I will put on Dick in a Box, or I Just Had Sex, or sure. whatever, and I'll just play it because it's uncensored. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to do Diaper Money. Do you know Diaper Money? Yes. I got that diaper money. Yeah. Uh, I want to put that on at a bar next because it's just... Because people 
don't really listen to the music until like something catches their ear and they're yeah. like, oh boy. Like karaoke, you're like putting on a show that like at least half the people are there to see. Sort of. Depending on depending on the night, depending on the bar. Seeing gay bar at karaoke is definitely a little trolly. But it's also the best. Have you ever sung Gay Bar Part 2 at the at karaoke? No, I think I don't think that exists as a karaoke song, unfortunately. It's not as good. Um, side note, That's a sequel to a song. True. Um, there's an excellent article that I will put in the liner notes about a guy who goes to a bar and plays The Boys Are Back in Town on a jukebox until he's thrown out of the bar. <laughs> so look, it's a really great article. Uh, look for that in the liner notes. Um, but So I would sing songs that had screaming uh, in them because I'm not a great singer. But I've got a growl, and I can scream pretty well. Um, and so what would often happen is that would happen, and a girl would come up to me and be like, Hey, do you know Bring Me to Life? Can you do the guy part? Uh, and I can't tell... I know all of the words to this song. Yeah. Didn't at first, but like by the end of that year where I was uh, like part-time employed and going to Wait, karaoke so like, once a week... what songs would you go up there to like... What was like your audition songs that your audition that your paid songs? gig for uh, so Bring Me Life? Would you sing like Session of a Down? Paid gig? What a paid gig? Uh, no, but I'm saying like you, you did something... Gay bar, um, Decade Under the Influence by Taking Back Sunday. Okay. Um, Any Serge Tankian songs? No. No, that's not really my shit. Um, but I feel like that's a, 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 an example of your vocal range, kind of. Kind that, of. Um, Come Down by Bush. I don't... I probably know that, but you I... definitely just, know that song. Um, every now and then, depending on how drunk I would get, I could break out. Um, so would you say it happens now and again? Yes. Uh, anything with like some um, like emo screaming vocals. There's not too many of those songs, and there's even fewer that I know. Okay. There's one song that I remember because it was in a like Madden 2004 or something like that. The best Madden. So I learned how to enjoy the song until the day I die. Uh, and that's got a pretty good screaming part. Okay. So sometimes, like, but so people would eventually learn that I, I I was the guy who could scream, and girls would love to sing that song. Uh, you know, you know the hot topic goths, and uh, I sang that song with a lot of ladies, some of which were even pretty. Some of which. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met Mrs. Chris. Mrs. Chris, come on out here. <laughs> what? Oh no. Um, no, that uh, say so that song is still a karaoke jam, just not to me. Um, you will always hear someone singing that song at Bring karaoke. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Recommendations. Well, I mean, a good segue, since I just talked about karaoke, I can talk about a movie that has one of the best karaoke scenes of all time in it and came out in 2003. Uh, Sofia Coppola's Lost in Translation. Oh. One of my favorite movies of all time. Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray, um... A couple of other people popping up here and there, like Giovanni Ribisi and Anna Ferris, though they don't do very much. Um, just a lovely little personal story about two people uh, who can't sleep in a country that is really big and bright. Um, and it's funny, it's romantic, it'll, uh, it'll get, give you some feels. And uh, like I said, that great karaoke scene where Scarlett Johansson sings The Pretenders, Bill Murray sings little Elvis Costello, uh, someone else busts out, I believe... Anarchy in the UK, maybe? Uh, just absolutely great movie. Beautiful. Uh, I think Sofia Coppola's second film, Virgin Suicides, was first. She only got like five. Yeah, and it's no, just... No, Somewhere was before that. Or somewhere after okay. that. Okay, and it's just... No, somewhere was after that, sorry. It's just so beautiful. Like, uh, First off, they shot so much of it guerrilla style because they couldn't get permits. Um, and secondly, you just you can't believe that's coming from someone who's still basically a novice filmmaker, though it probably helps that her last name is Coppola. 
I'm surprised that another one of your all-time favorite movies that came out in 2003 was not your recommendation in Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Oh, well, you know, maybe it did two episodes ago, because this is the third uh, 2003. three nows? Yeah, we're on a pace now, I think, where it's going to be something like, um, it's something like March, July, and November, or April, July, and November at this point. Wow. That's so much. Yeah. So, in terms of 2003, I'm going to dive into the movie well as well. Bad Boys 2, which we talked about, is worth seeing. Kill Mm -hmm. Bill is an obvious one. But I'm going to go with something a little bit deeper. A Mighty Wind. Oh. Which is actually music-themed. Yes. uh, A movie I've been meaning to see, but have not yet. Really? Yeah. I don't think it was... No, no, it was my first Christopher Guest movie, which I think is maybe why I like it more than most of them. But it's... A mockumentary, which we talked about. Why did we talk about mockumentaries hours ago? Meta songs. Oh. What the hook gonna be? Ah, uh, yes. I was like, I remember saying mockumentaries on this episode. Um, a Mighty Wind is a mockumentary about a old-timey sort of country group, I guess? Yeah. Who gets back together after, like, decades off and sort of, you know, it's the, it's the weekend of their performance and just sort of what happens. And so Christopher Guest movies all pretty much have the same people in them. Uh, they all sort of, they're all quick, they're all mostly improvised, and they're yep. all sort of wonderful. And The Mighty Wind was the first one I saw, but, you know, Waiting for Guffman is great, Best in Show is now probably my favorite one, uh, For Your Consideration is good, I even like Mascots, which a lot of people didn't like, and I also like the TV show Family Tree. So basically, Christopher Guest is my recommendation, but specifically, from 2003, A Mighty Wind. Cool. Uh, I will take you up on that, because I've been meaning to watch that movie for a very long time. Um, side note. What is the relationship between Sofia Coppola and Nicolas Cage? Cousins. Cousins. There you go. Um, there's some Cage Club tr- crossover trivia. And she was in two of his early movies because they were both directed by her father, Francis Ford. Uh. At least two of his earlier movies. She was in, for sure, she was in Racing with... Or she was in Rumblefish. And then he also directed, I want to say, the one with Richard Gere was... God, it's been so long. The Cotton Club, he directed. And I think he also directed Peggy Sue Got Married. She was at least in Rumblefish. She might have been in one more. But yeah, she just. But she was Domino back then. She was not Sofia Coppola. She was Domino. Oh, I And see. introducing Domino. Well, speaking of Cage, uh, you plugged it at the top of the other uh, episode, but this is two weeks after that now. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug other than the lovely Cage Club Podcast Network? Nope. Um... No, I mean, you can go to cageclub.me, which you'll hear also. You can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. I'm not interesting on Twitter, especially since I've moved over to Letterboxd. If you if you listen to this and you care more about movies than music, which is a weird sort of fit, I guess, for the overall aesthetic of this, but follow me on Letterboxd. I'm soul-popped everywhere, so... There you go. Do that thing. Um, and happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Uh, I'm I'm never never 